We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Recapping the NFL Conference Championship Games, talking through them from a fantasy perspective and also looking ahead a little bit towards the Super Bowl. That's what we're going to do on today's show of Rotoviz Overtime as I'm joined as always by Sean Siegel. You can check out all his work up on rotoviz.com. That's myself, Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter if you do so want to at Overtime Ireland. Sean, an interesting set of games. I talked about it last week saying that we had at minimum four of the best five teams in the NFL some people might want to swap the bills in for the the Bengals, but this as we talked just slightly before the show was kind of two games where based on different injury situations we didn't get to see both teams at their full strength heading into both of these contests or, or throughout both of these contests i should say i think we'll start off with the eagles and the 49ers we have also the Bengals and the chiefs to talk about sean i'm sure it's gonna be pretty stoked when we get to that game obviously his chiefs making it in quite dramatic fashion some people would say controversial fashion to the Super Bowl with that lit field goal. But, Sean, how are you feeling as we sit here two weeks remaining in the NFL season, basically, at this point? Two weeks from now, Super Bowl have been decided and we'll be wondering how long it takes to get all the way back to September, but we will be etching to do that all off-season and look ahead. And I think the off-season sometimes is is the most enjoyable part as we get to to make those predictions and to, to plant some flags in the ground. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. We had, I wouldn't say a fantastic AFC Championship game, but you get some big moments, you get some big plays, and the Chiefs are advancing. For those of us who grew up in Kansas City, it's really cool. After all of those Marty Schottenheimer years where they lose at Arrowhead, sort of a close but no cigar situation, then you have the Dick Vermeil era where they have one of, if not the greatest offense of all time, but the defense lets them down and they're not able to get to a Super Bowl under him. We now have the third Super Bowl for Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, we've got the big story there with the five consecutive AFC Championship games at home. It's nice that they get through, that they go to three and two in those games. It would have been rough to, to fall to two and three, although the teams that you're playing in that AFC Championship game are fantastic teams. So there'd be nothing to be ashamed of if you dropped those contests, but it's nice that the Chiefs are able to get through. Obviously, in the immediate aftermath of the game, 
you're bouncing around ecstatic the heart is beating super fast you're getting some text messages from friends and just everything seems a little bit surreal and then i pull up just you know kind of see you know what else is, is happening pull up my uh, underdog results and see that i have advanced a, a mitten team to the finals that is Let's go. joe burrow joe mixon uh. miles sanders jamar chase t higgins tyler boyd and you're thinking, well, you're all in on Miles Sanders ahead of, uh, ahead of the Super Bowl. So it's a, it's a situation there where first place is thirty five thousand dollars, approximately three hundred to four hundred or what have you. The range that I kind of expect myself to finish in is fifty bucks. So the question is, is your hometown team making the Super Bowl? especially with all of those injuries and, and what seems like something of an uphill battle against the Philadelphia Eagles. Is that worth $35,000 Colin? So it's a, it's a real tricky scenario. You have to say, Sean, if you could say now the chiefs won the Super Bowl, I think it may be potentially worth it. Um, the tricky part now is if they don't get the job done after knocking the Bengals out, which would have put you in a extremely positive scenario heading into that mitten. And, I was going to start, Sean, with the Eagles game, but I think based on how games played out, how it was a closer game and, and some of the, the talking points we'll get through, I think we'll we'll start off here with the Kansas City Chiefs win with the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I thought this was a an interesting game, some truly terrific plays. We talked recently about some of the struggles for T. Higgins throughout the playoffs. I thought he came up pretty big in a couple of key spots here. His touchdown being a kind of a... I don't know if you'd say a quintessential T Higgins touchdown, but one of those where he's catching it at the high point and, and carrying it almost those extra couple of yards into the end zone. Although this one was untouched, a really nice play by the Bengals at a point where they really needed a play early in the second half. That was, we also had Travis Kelsey getting his touchdown on a fourth down play. Nice, uh, nice play by Patrick Mahomes. And obviously what they've been able to do over the years, that relationship on the field. I, I thought that play of this game, Sean was, the tipped pass on that attempted pass to B. Higgins that the Chiefs were able to come up with. I thought that was just an incredible defensive play. And I know we focus a lot on the offensive side of things, but the Chiefs defense really came true here in a big way, being able to hold the Bengals to those 20 points. This game started off with, you know, a lot of field goals happening pretty early in this one. And I thought that was a key to both defenses, but I'll, I'll let you take it away because it, it is your Chiefs that win. But, Mahomes obviously gets the the injury last week, comes back into the game, comes into this one, is still obviously far from 100%, but 29 completions, 43 passes, 326 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. Really, uh, I think if they go on to win it, obviously that will depend on the the Super Bowl performance, but pretty legendary stuff here, I think, in in Chiefs fans' eyes with what Mahomes has done over the, the last kind of two weeks here. This can't do anything other than add to the Mahomes legend because you have him very, very, very limited. I mean, this isn't anywhere close to what Patrick Mahomes is like and what he can do when he's healthy. And then you also have him with basically nobody to throw to. The Chiefs in the offseason made a bunch of different moves to try to replace Tyreek Hill by committee. I was optimistic that because they had taken so many shots at it, and one of the things that teams do when they try and replace a star like that, and one of the pitfalls that you saw with teams like the Titans 
and the Ravens is that they didn't take enough shots. So if you get a Rashad Bateman hurt, if you have a Traylon Burks, number one, just too high of expectations in terms of what he's going to have to do right away to make up for an A.J. Brown. But also you don't have the other pieces there. If you miss on somebody or get an injury, then suddenly you don't have the receiving core that is necessary to make a true push to the playoffs to host early games and to then be competitive in a theoretical Super Bowl. They go out and sign Juju Smith-Schuster, who is still young and has been a dynamic force in the past. They go out and sign Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is probably a niche player, but someone who has been a vertical threat for a team already, a proven vertical threat. And you have Aaron Rodgers throwing to him. You know that Rodgers in some ways might even be better than Patrick Mahomes at these deep passes. But if you can do it with Rodgers, you're going to have some great opportunities to do it with Mahomes. Then you go out there and you draft Sky Moore. That didn't work out, obviously. They, I'm sure at this point they wish they had stayed put and taken George Pickens. But you take a shot at a receiver you like at that spot, and then you also make this trade for Kadarius Tony. You even go to the extent of adding someone like a Justin Watson, who is a big upgrade on the guys that they had in the deep positions last year, like a Byron Pringle or a Demarcus Robinson. They did all of those things, and they basically missed on everyone. And so then it comes back and it's just Travis Kelsey, then you go into this game and you find out that he's a game-time decision because of back problems. And I've had a lot of back problems through the years. Anyone who's experienced those knows how debilitating it is. You basically can't move at all. And if he's taking shots every day as they lead into this game, anything to try and get him loosened up to kill the pain, to make it so he can just go out there and basically waddle around, which is more or less what he did, then that's a limitation. You go into this game... And the individual things that started to happen are not surprising, but very frustrating to see Kadarius Toney, who is the one guy that's really bringing some dynamism to the offense, to see him go down. The New York Giants are sitting there saying, have you got more plays out of him than we thought you were going to? I mean, you should just be happy that he ran a play there before he was on the sidelines. He obviously can't stay healthy. Juju goes out with the knee soreness. You have McCall Hardman make a nice catch and then take a hit. He re-injures or significantly aggravates the pelvis injury that he'd had that they tried to bring him back the previous week for wasn't really ready to go. You know that an NFL player, if they're having that kind of struggle, that the pain is significant. So now you're missing the three guys you were hoping to throw to in this game. The great part is that they finally got what they were hoping to get from MVS. And Travis Kelsey, I mean, he adds to his legend as he continues to climb the overall receiving charts for the postseason and he does it in this very limited situation he does it making a big touchdown catch on a fourth down you love the guts from Andy Reid in that moment because you have the fourth and one the Chiefs struggle in those situations because they don't have a running back the Bengals are expecting to have to defend in that two to three yard range and that's the reason you're able to get Travis Kelsey in that specific matchup Otherwise, the Bengals are going to have him blanketed. So you get the touchdown. That really opens the game up. And then you get Mahomes at the end doing the things that Mahomes can do. But frankly, Colin, I mean, this game was about the Chiefs defense. This has been a maligned unit going back for 20 years. I had mentioned earlier in the show the Schottenheimer era, the 90s, when Arrowhead was alive as the most intimidating venue in all of sport. And the offense was the problem. And they would get into these big games and they would choke because they wouldn't score any points. Then you move into that Vermeule era where they have the playoff game with Peyton Manning. 
where they can't force a punt and they lose because of a Parise Holmes fumble when he's in the midst of a long, long run, the back and forth game there. They had the game even a few years ago with Alex Smith and Andrew Luck, where you build, I believe, a 24-point lead late in the game there. And Luck, I, all of us are glad More that Andrew Luck, Luck is I think, doing what uh... he's doing. But, I mean, you, you could imagine the kind of legend that Andrew Luck would have built if he had stayed in the NFL. He rallies them to the victory. So Chiefs fans are used to the defense not being able to do their part of the job. But it's been a slow build with this front office and with Steve Spagnola to put together a defense that is a fitting complement to Patrick Mahomes. They are there now. This is an underrated defense, and they made the plays that they needed to make. If Patrick Mahomes is healthier, if the Chiefs don't have all of these injuries on the offensive side of the ball, then they win this game in a blowout. And we're talking about the Chiefs as far and away the best team in the NFC. Now, having said that, obviously the Bengals are dealing with injuries of their own. And so it's not like either team is healthy here. I mean, injuries were the storyline of the two championship games. That part is very, very unfortunate. But from the Chiefs' side of it, what their defense did and what they did when they lose Legereus Sneed on more or less the first play, all the credit to advancing to the Super Bowl goes to that defensive side of the ball. The Chris Joneses, all of those play. I mean, it just was a an extraordinary performance when you think about what Joe Burrow did with similar injury issues on their offensive line, what they did to the Buffalo bills in Buffalo a week ago for the Kansas city chiefs to come out and just flat out dominate this game on the defensive side of the ball. Pretty extraordinary. Yeah. And it can be very, very tough, like giving credit to the Bengals to go on the road and that situation and that environment against the bills, get the win, have to go and do the same thing the following week. It's, you know, it's, a big, big challenge versus having that that home game like the Chiefs have in this situation. So a tough back-to-back schedule, obviously, but that's part of beating the best teams in the playoffs when you're not getting the advantage of you know, the one or the two seed overall. So a big part, Sean, I wanted to talk to you about the game. You mentioned the fourth down in the play, Colin. That was a key point of the game. I mentioned that starts off field goal for KC, Cincinnati get a, a field goal, then it comes back again to a situation where KC settled for the field goal. That was first field goals, fourth and five on the 25-yard line. And you mentioned some of the struggles they've had, you know, in that area. And also with Mahomes not being 100% healthy in this one, the second one was fourth and goal from the Cincinnati six-yard line. Then they do go for it on that situation where it's fourth and one at the Cincinnati 14. That was paired in with a, a field goal to the Bengals in between that, Sean. But in that situation, were you while watching the game, frustrated what the first two opportunities on, on fourth down that they didn't go for it versus obviously they, they they make it work. But this could have turned out very different if they are held to a field goal, held to a field goal, go for it in fourth down and do not get the touchdown there. That would really have handed an initiative to the Bengals in that situation. So a very pivotal point of the game, but were you thinking prior to that on those first two fourth downs that maybe they should have took the opportunities with how you know, the limitations around Mahomes may have been in this game? I think because of the limitations and because they more or less don't have any talent on offense right now, that you probably have to take those field goals, especially if your defense is playing well. It gets back in the end to if the percentages aren't there for you, then you have to make the smart play and you have to rely on your defense. If if both sides 
can't make the plays you need to be an elite team and to be the best team in football, then you're simply not the best team in football. I don't think that you can start to do crazy things or be overly aggressive in order to try and balance that out. It is extremely frustrating from a fan's perspective. I'm sure it was frustrating down there on the field for them because their defense is dominating. The defense is doing what they need to do. You contrast the beginning of this game for the Bengals with how the divisional round started where the Bengals go touchdown, touchdown. And you're thinking, I mean, we've got it. I mean, the defense has done what they needed to do simply by getting a couple of stops. They've already more or less done their part and won this game, but the offense has blown it by not being able to finish these drives. So there's that concern. Obviously, as a fan, you're always very nervous. I mentioned, you know, all of the games in the deeper past, but just the recent games where you lose to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in an overtime game where you don't touch the ball in overtime. That started out this AFC Championship game run. You don't want to be in a situation late in the game where it's like, if, if we had just executed early, this would have never come into play. And you think about the game that they blew last year to the Bengals and especially because it's the Bengals, even though it doesn't really matter. And, and Ben made this point over and over on ceiling bananas last week, which is that the Bengals don't own the chiefs. These have been close games that are coin flips it, with two very good teams. You play three close games. There's nothing remotely surprising about one team having won all three that can happen very easily. At the same time, you do know that from a, a human psychology perspective, that when you feel like you're controlling these games, when you feel like you're the better team, when you are ahead, you are in control, and you've done what you think you need to do, but you've left the other team in it, there's just the human nature part of it that thinks, here we go again. And so if they don't complete that fourth down touchdown pass, there's going to be a lot of frustration just because you played so well, and yet the Bengals are right there. All they have to do then is go down and score a touchdown, and they're in the lead. And so it was... It was awesome to see that play, but Colin, I mean, there were lots of plays later in the game where the Chiefs had a chance to end it and didn't, and that created the drama that we had at the very end. Yeah, and even before that, another key period was at the start of the second half, we have a situation where the field goal to the Bengals just before halftime tightens it up a bit at halftime. It's 13-6 at that point. They force the punt then from the Chiefs. That leads to them going and getting a touchdown Chiefs just bounce back, touchdown again, Bengals punt, and it feels like, oh, this is getting out of hand for the Bengals side of things, and the Chiefs are going to kind of take it away from here. Mahomes is a kind of a, a little bit of a bizarre fumble. Ball kind of squirts out of his hands. That is answered with a touchdown pretty much straight away, two minutes later, by the Bengals punt then by the, the Chiefs, and that is where that key defensive play that I mentioned, the spectacular tipped interception, happened to kind of really turn the momentum back towards the the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is kind of back to where you mentioned Ben's point of these games being close in all the games, being pretty much one score, coin flips. Things can happen very, very quickly and change how your vision of this game is going along the way. But at the end, Sean, the play that you referenced, quite, quite dramatic. We get a, and we've talked about it on the show, Sky Moore has had his struggles this year in terms of his returns on special teams, a couple of fumbles, a couple of mistakes. And it has really cost the Chiefs in, in some moments. In this one, they have him back there. He takes it out, gets quite good yardage in that return. Then it goes back, and you're kind of thinking, like, they don't have a lot of time here. They're going to have to try and get out of bounds to see if they can set up a field goal or else spike it. Mahomes takes off and runs, and he's just going out of bounds and gets a little shove. 
I think it's a correct penalty, and I think the reason that people are saying that it shouldn't be a penalty is it looks like limited contact. But the problem for the Bengals side of things is there's a connection of the feet, and being a soccer fan, a lot of the time that is where the the fouls and, and penalties and so on would come from. So the clash of feet is what puts Mahomes down. I don't I don't think he took a a dive or anything at this particular point of the game, and that adds on 15 yards to that field goal attempt for Butker at the end. So a major addition to the advantage and again in a situation where we mentioned the mobility issues for Mahomes in this game for him to kind of it felt like that was a play he said I'm going to try and take this team to the Super Bowl right now because I, I don't think the Chiefs even with how the game was going they I don't think they wanted you mentioned the injuries they didn't want more plays to have to try and get this team to continue the game so massive play Butker nails that true there is one more play from the kickoff and kind of the a couple of laterals but it never got moving really at all for the Bengals. but that was sean for the celebrations i'm sure the the heart rate was was pumping at that moment in time <laughs> it was it was and as soon as mahomes fumbled then even before the touchdown but as soon as mahomes fumbled i felt like this game swung pretty heavily in the Bengals' favor and as you mentioned the chiefs would not have wanted overtime you know you've got patrick mahomes and you're playing an arrowhead but you're still the heavy underdog at that point because you just don't, don't have any players left and i mean the defense will probably argue differently because they're like we're playing great we're dominating this Bengals offense we're going to hold them and you know patrick mahomes will go down and get us the necessary points at some juncture but i mean the chiefs needed the game to end there i thought there were a lot of controversial plays in this game i thought there were some phantom penalties called on the chiefs that were very high leverage and then there were a lot of there were several plays called on the Bengals that were high leverage but seemed pretty clear penalties there was the penalty on the intentional grounding that seemed to me like the controversial play there was nothing to me controversial about the late hit I mean that was about as clear cut as you get but it's just really unfortunate and you feel bad for the Bengals player because, and, and it gives you a little bit of an insight too, I think about so many of the plays and the penalties that occur in an NFL game. Such small margins. The, well, and you see these guys get hit out of bounds, even by a, a, a little decent amount. One of the things in the game yesterday is that, I mean, Mahomes is way out of bounds at that point. And so to have a guy in a situation where they more or less have the stop, they're not in field goal range and Bucker has struggled. He's not 100%. I mean, you think about all the players, all, all four teams, right? It's not just the Chiefs, certainly not just the Bengals. The 49ers, the team that had the worst of it this weekend, obviously. But you think of these injuries, and it, but just, it goes all up and down the roster because Harrison Bucker is not 100%, and he's not going to be able to make that deep kick. In most games and in most times of the season, you're saying there's eight seconds left. There's a great chance that Mahomes will actually hit someone on a quick pass at the sideline to pick up another seven yards and from seven more yards then that field goal is probably good you know the difference between zero seven and 15 i mean those are three sort of critical thresholds in terms of how the probabilities are going to swing in terms of bucker's chances to make that field goal but obviously the Bengals defender the last thing in the entire world that he wants right there is a late hit and it, it just is even as all, all the Chiefs fans who are celebrating, I mean, your heart goes out to him because he's going to remember that forever. And again, I, I think that that in its own way gives us 
some insight into so many of the penalties that occurred in the course of the year. If that penalty can happen in that situation when it's the very last thing that he would ever have wanted, you know, these penalties are going to happen and they're not necessarily intentional. They're not, I mean, even a lot of the plays that look dirty, that wasn't the intention. It just happened. And so it's very sad for him. It's unfortunate for the Bengals who probably would have a better chance to win the Super Bowl than the Chiefs do. You know, even with those offensive line issues, they're going to be a lot healthier. You take Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins into the Super Bowl with a very good Bengals defense. And I think you have to like that, but <laughs> this walking wounded Chiefs team. But yeah, it it was it was an extraordinary game, even with all of the things that both teams had to fight through. Yeah, and I mentioned the the obviously the small margins, but you mentioned basically that he wouldn't have intended to make that fight. It didn't look like it was like a dirty hit or anything. But when we look at you know the margins, I even mentioned the Bengals don't score again after that interception. That interception is pretty close to being an absolute perfect pass by Burrow to Higgins. If the defender doesn't make the play, I think there's a chance that Higgins catches it and goes to the end zone. But with the tip, and, and even if he just catches it and falls down, it's certainly in field goal range. And it's those small plays that then obviously make, make the championship run. But it's going to be interesting. Hopefully the Chiefs will be getting close to having the majority of their guys at, at full strength. But it's going to be a, a tough two weeks here. I'm sure they'll be doing everything they can. But another part to potentially put a note for the, the Patrick Mahomes legend. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. But Sean, moving on now to the 49ers and the Eagles, you mentioned the injuries the, the 49ers have had. Over the last couple of years, they have been just riddled with injuries season after season after season. It's been a, a tough couple of seasons for them. Even though they've been able to tip it up those wins, it has meant that they've come up short in the playoffs. It did feel, though, that the Eagles were the clear best team in the NFC this year, and they are heading to the Super Bowl. 31-7 they win. Brock Purdy gets the injury after four pass attempts, had completed all four of those it seems like at the time we're recording this that there's a potential that the injury will be 
quite severe and it, it could be a case where it requires Tommy John surgery, which would be the worst case scenario, which would be kind of a 12 month recovery. If it is a kind of, you know, not a rupture, it could be a case that, you know, six to eight weeks that he's getting back to close to a hundred percent. So we're hoping for positive news on that. It would also put an interesting wrinkle, not, not for 49ers fans, but into that quarterback situation for, 49ers entering next season but that meant that Josh Johnson came into this game he went 7 of 13 for 74 yards after that point of the game it really meant that the 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 49ers couldn't be competitive in the situation they they couldn't pass they had 18 pass attempts in the entire game completed 11 of them one of them going to Christian McCaffrey so really really tough outing all around and something that feels like it could happen to the Eagles here but I don't think it's going to is sometimes we've seen Sean in the past teams kind of not even have to get out of kind of second, third gear here in the playoffs and make it to the, the Super Bowl, dominating their way there. And then they get to the Super Bowl and they kind of get really, you know, whacked in the mouth when it gets to that point. So the, the Eagles, though, a lot healthier than the, the Chiefs entering this one. I don't think they'll have too many concerns about that happening at this point in time, but they didn't really have to, to get out of stride here. Nobody on the Eagles had to, to do a huge amount. Miles Sanders gets in the end zone twice. He has 11 for 42 and two touchdowns. Kenneth Gainwell looked pretty sharp on the ground again, but just 14 carries, 48 yards for him. It was kind of a, a combined team effort from what they were able to do. 44 rushing attempts total for the Philadelphia Eagles in this one. Just a 15 completions for Jalen Hurts. No passing touchdowns, 121 yards. Passing, Devontae Smith has two receptions. One of those obviously being a, a key talking point, which led to the first touchdown. I thought great attempt at a catch from Devontae Smith and a very heads up play from Devontae Smith where he's you know telling them to huddle up get that snap off quickly if I was on the 49ers side and I see him make that motion I think I'm I'm calling the time out there or, or throwing the challenge flag just to risk it in case but a key play that was a big moment in this game and and after that obviously we have the the Brock Purdy injury and after that Sean this game was was pretty much done and dusted I- I think the 49ers had a shot with Josh Johnson. If you talk about someone who's a fourth-string quarterback, which is what he was, he's going to be the best fourth-string quarterback that you can possibly have. A lot of experience, a lot of athleticism. They do go and score the touchdown on one of the greatest runs that you will ever see, where Christian McCaffrey... It's not great tackling, but... You have all of the things that make McCaffrey great. The strength, that contact, despite being a smaller back that people don't necessarily give him credit for. Then obviously the contact balance, the ability to maintain his center of gravity, his shoulder level, and then get going again. Beat the next guy, get over him. To vault a tackler, to break multiple tackles, to break the tackle again at the end, to then go and score the ability to reaccelerate after every miss is so crucial you contrast that to some of the things we saw in these other games you have isaiah pacheco for the chiefs when he gets going he can look pretty decent he made some nice plays in the passing game where the ball was dumped to him and once he's able to get up ahead of steam he can beat some guys but pacheco no vision and no real strength at first contact if he's not already up at 100 percent McCaffrey the exact opposite where you have the extraordinary vision you've got the lateral agility you have the ability to go through contact when you're not up at speed and then to 
accelerate from a dead stop. And I mean, nobody needs to be told that Christian McCaffrey is the best back in the game. But again, this is a situation where I just felt so strongly that their trade for him, as opposed to being something where they overpaid, it was an absolute steal. You look at the Chiefs, if they had been able to pull off that trade, where they would be now going into the Super Bowl with the Eagles, it'd be a piece that would allow you to counterbalance all of these receiver injuries, at least to an extent. The thing that really killed them is once they're in that 14-7 situation, they have the fumble. Once you are down to your fourth-string quarterback, you have the fumble, you give a short field to Philadelphia, and they were able to go and get the points to go up 21-7 before the half. That was a real dagger. And even before you then have the Josh Johnson injury that definitively ends the game, they were going to be in deep trouble at that point. But yeah, it's just, it's too bad because the Purdy story had been one of the real bright spots of this entire season to not have a chance to see him finish it. And one of the things that we witnessed here was Jalen Hurts was tight. He played a terrible game and he didn't get a chance to kind of rectify that and show that he'd gotten the nerves out because they win so easily that they don't have to throw the ball as the game progresses. But you get that magical play from Devontae Smith to create the first touchdown. And then they're more or less just running the ball. He has AJ Brown deep. He's got options and opportunities to hit his guys beyond the 49ers defense. And if the 49ers are exploitable anywhere, it's in some of their pass coverage. You have Ward, especially as someone that you can get your receivers behind. You can get the big play. He had those. He missed them. The flip side of it is just that, I mean, this Philadelphia Eagles rushing attack, pretty much unparalleled, right? Because you cannot run the ball on the San Francisco 49ers. And yet, even once the Eagles kind of established the fact that Hurts is tight, he's not making his throws, the passing game isn't working. They're able to, through the mix of sort of the the option play, Hurts pulling the ball and getting out on the edge. And even though Hurts was more or less unsuccessful as a runner as well, the 49ers were able to stop that part of it more or less. They weren't able to stop the running back option portion of it, where those guys, I mean, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, they're gashing this 49ers defense over and over and over again for the Eagles to be able to run the ball right down the 49ers' throat. And again, some of that changes as the game evolves and the 49ers are in desperate straits. But even before that, I mean, you were starting to see the Eagles be able to <laughs> assert their will and establish this running game. I thought that the Eagles had, had a real shot to blow this early when Hertz is missing and then they run the ball more than I thought that they should. And they had some stuffed plays because, I mean, for me, they came in as the heavy favorites even before all the injury stuff happens. I thought they looked like a team that was choking. You don't see any of that because of the injuries that happened for the 49ers and how beautiful and well orchestrated this rushing attack was as the game went along. If there is any kind of ray of hope for the AFC side in the Super Bowl, it will be the fact that I mean the Eagles passing offense in the playoffs has not been what it was in the regular season. Yeah, no that and that that kind of comes back to what I was saying about, you know, obviously they beat the brakes off the the giants don't really have to do anything and this as well so that that leads to a situation where there's just not a huge amount happening overall and that means over those two games that i mentioned he did have two passing touchdowns against the giants as well but 
275 passing yards in those two games and that there was 49 pass attempts so it hasn't been an efficient passing game like we had seen in the season so he missed the time obviously towards the end of the season gets the bye week in the playoffs now he's going to have a bye week here so there's quite a bit of time where we won't have seen a huge amount of action for Jalen Hurts I'm excited to see how this game goes in the Super Bowl and I know Sean as a Chiefs fan you're probably going to say that the Chiefs have the injuries and it's really Philadelphia Eagles to, to lose at this point but do you think that's a chance that we we see a team that has been really battle tested over the last couple of weeks with the the Chiefs you know throughout the season they've had some struggles the Eagles have had some tough times but doesn't feel like they've had the the tough times that maybe the Chiefs have and maybe they're a little bit more battle tested at this point I would doubt that that makes too much of a difference the question that might arise is to do with the eagles coaching staff not having been put in situations where they're having to call a lot of plays under, under extreme stress yeah. right so the defense doesn't necessarily know what they want to do when you know you got a third and seven at the 30 yard line with the game on the line you don't know how to play it because you shut everybody down <laughs> you're winning by 20 30 40 points same thing is true on the offensive side. Are you going to run that plunge into the line when you have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard and you have Jalen Hurts, who's been fantastic? You mentioned the time off in the Eagles, too. I mean, all of these teams have had key injuries at big moments. The Eagles losing Hurts down the stretch really crushed their momentum. And they're trying to reestablish this now. They've had two games that have been weird and that they were so clearly the better team. They probably won't be that in the Super Bowl. Although the Eagles defense, absolutely fantastic. The best passing defense in the NFL. It'll be a brutal matchup for Patrick Mahomes, especially if he doesn't have healthy players. The Chiefs are going to need to score more points than they did against Cincinnati to stay in the Super Bowl. And they may have to score more points within the context of not having a lot of plays if the Eagles run the ball successfully. And so I, there are a lot of things that could go right for the Eagles. I think that the Chiefs need to have some very specific things work out for them. They have a narrower path at this point than the Eagles do. The Chiefs made some coaching blunders in this game in terms of the first challenge. They were taking timeouts. I, I think, again, in part because you have the injury to Mahomes and you have the injury to players. So suddenly you're having to deal with situations that you weren't necessarily expecting. But I don't think that this was a great game from Andy Reid and the Chiefs side in terms of what they did from a play-calling perspective on offense. And yet, I mean, the players are going to be fine for the Eagles. The players are going to go out there and say, this is an NFL game against great players. We face that all the time in the NFL. We're going to shut our guys down. Maybe the Eagles coaching staff has to deal with a lack of experience in big moments. And just the fact that one of the things that coaching staffs are always running into is that you don't get an extremely high number of reps in play calling situations and certainly an extremely high number of reps in intense Super Bowl on the line types of situations. So you don't have that built-in experience that you can call on in the way that you might have other types of things. But no, I mean, I think more or less it's going to help the Eagles that they've had an easy path here. But they are going to have to play better in the Super Bowl. It would be it would be unfortunate. I mean, it's not impossible that they win kind of going away without having to do anything. But given how dominant 
A.J. Brown was this season. And given how much of a masterstroke it was to acquire him and to suddenly put together an offense where, I mean, they may not have believed it at the time, but Devontae Smith now very clearly looks like the guy who won the Heisman Trophy. And so they could have sat back and said, you know, we're an elite defense. We're a run-based team with a hybrid quarterback with a, you know, with a rushing quarterback. We have Devontae Smith. We have Dallas Goddard. We don't need to waste resources on bringing another receiver. But instead of that, instead of taking the passive, I don't know if it's exactly a loser mentality, but instead of being content with where they were, they said, we want to be the best team in football. We want to destroy everyone. We want to give ourselves as many chances to win as possible. We want to build a dynasty. And so they go out and they acquire A.J. Brown. And he was everything they could have possibly hoped for. And he did unlock these other players. If we go through this entire playoff run and he doesn't do anything, he's not really a part of it. Just from a sort of a story perspective, that would be unfortunate because, I mean, you want to see him make a couple of big plays in the Super Bowl and be not necessarily the reason, but to be a big part of why the Philadelphia Eagles are the 2022 slash three champions, why they're the best team in the NFL. And I, and I think, um, I think it's fair to say, in my opinion, anyway, I don't think there's a scenario where the season goes in the same route that it did minus A.J. Brown being on that team in terms of they get the wins that they get and they, they're coasting through the playoffs. And while he didn't do a huge amount so far in the playoffs, I think the threat of what they can still do down the field and in the short intermediate range with the wide receivers they have is allowing things in the run game. So what is great to see, and we touched on McCaffrey and, and his fantastic touchdown this week but his run as a 49er has been pretty epic and again i don't think they're in the situation that they are in without him on that that roster i think it's fantastic to see these trades working out in the nfl for nfl teams because i think the more trades that work out we're going to see more trades between the teams and i think that is going to be better than for the the league in general but yeah pretty pretty awesome that those trades are, are working out unfortunately for the giants it doesn't end up or not for the 49ers it doesn't end up in the super bowl but We'll see what happens but speaking of trade sean we did go ahead we teased it last week we purchased an orphan dynasty team over at the ffpc pretty pretty nice team i have to say some of the names involved in it the, the top of the list the the marquee player sean at the moment is justin jefferson we will be talking more about that on some of our upcoming shows i did ask last week for some suggestions for a name of the series we're planning to run this throughout the offseason as we go through the steps of why we decided to go with an orphan over a, a startup team why we went for this team over the other teams were available what you can look for and then we'll talk through our strategies as we try to make moves to set up a team that could win a championship this year and the the task i have for the listeners is the name of the series so the the three that i have picked out so far from the list that i have received lawrence bailey sent in the ot dynasty reanimators i thought the word reanimators was a, a pretty good word but we need to keep getting those suggestions and Jason sent in overtime overgrind and uh, I suggested Sean that that could also be a coffee podcast so it could be a dynasty and coffee with uh, the road of his OT crew and then JBR suggested I, I don't know Sean if this one will will get past uh, you know if it gets past the the route for a podcast series but it was road of his orphan time it is an orphan team but I think there's question marks around the, the legitimacy of uh, going in in that direction but Sean have you come up with a name since we talked last week I love putting you on the spot uh, I, I still haven't got a name I, ne I need this to be listener suggested 
Right. I, the listeners are doing such a fantastic job that we're not going to be able to match the suggestions coming in. I love some of those. You take a zombie, turn it back. Oh, maybe we go the team. maybe we go the zombie, right, Sean? Well, we I mean, we got the reanimators. I mean, that's fantastic. I love all of these suggestions. I still, I mean, my original thought was the, redemption <laughs> was the overtime dynasty debacle, and that was because I couldn't think of a name last week, and it was a debacle trying to record that segment for me. <laughs> well, that that and other things, yes, but. We appreciate the comments that we've got. We're excited for this team, and it kind of depends on how you want to look at it. It will be interesting to do sort of the evolution of the team and how we make it our own team. How do you take over a team that the other manager has decided they no longer want to do and turn it into a championship squad? As you mentioned, our team is quite good, and that's one of the things that we do want to mention. If you're looking for a dynasty team and you can't, you just simply can't wait for startup season there are some teams out there with players like Justin Jefferson, you know, a Jalen Waddle, a Jamar Chase, a CD Lamb. There are some teams out there with Trevor Lawrence. You've got lots of teams. We don't, out we don't there have all those Trevor. guys, just in case people are wondering how we got a team with all those. But we do have two, but we'll, we'll, we'll fill you in on which two later in the week. Exactly, exactly. But there are lots of great teams out there. If it's not appealing to you to take over a bad team and rebuild it, and frankly, that's going to not be appealing in some cases, they're great teams. So go check those out. Buy yourself a dynasty team. Colin, we had mentioned that anyone who is in a league that has some openings, they could give a shout out to us. And there's always a chance that we would be able to join or managers from another Rotoviz podcast might be able to join. So let us know if you're playing in the Rotoviz Triflex format over at the FFPC and you want some people to join your league, we might be able to get some great managers for you obviously these leagues are the most fun if you have managers who are fun to interact with and who will trade a lot we want to get out there and make some dynasty trades so colin you and i are fired up we appreciate the listeners getting involved and this is going to be a a series that i really enjoy yeah i'm looking forward to it so first uh, dynasty squad that myself and sean have uh, had together over the years so uh, let's hope Let's hope 2023 is a championship season to kick things off on the right note. But we'll be tracking that throughout the series and giving your, getting your thoughts, giving our thoughts on some of the players, asking for your opinions on, on did we trade the right way? Did we do it wrong? What happened there? So all that to come. But hopefully the part one of that will be later this week. Tweet me your names or send me a DM at Overtime Ireland. Let me know what some of your thoughts are on what that series should be called. But that is going to wrap it up for our recap show here today. We will be back on Tuesday. We'll also have our Thursday edition of the podcast. As I've mentioned, every time on these recent shows, there is a good possibility, a strong possibility that the cadence for many of the road of his podcasts over the next couple of months will change up a little bit with the offseason. Myself and Sean plan to continue our cadence of the three shows a week for as many weeks as we can do moving forward here. But could be different days, could switch up a little bit. So make sure you are subscribed to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed to get them as soon as they are available. The other note is drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app. Most podcast apps don't allow you to drop written interviews, but if you have Apple Podcasts, that is probably the best place to do it. Drop us a written interview. We really appreciate that. Until we are back later in the week, have a good one. 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.